this is Renee Calva. I pastor at Living Waters Church, and we are excited today just to take an opportunity to um, have a little bit deeper discussion with our very good friends and um, guests and really part of our church body here, uh, Max and Amanda Fatisoff of True Hope Ministries. So this is just an opportunity for us. They often come to visit and to share with us on a Sunday morning, but this is an opportunity for us to maybe just have a little bit more informal conversation, to talk a little bit longer about some things that don't fit into a normal Sunday morning service. And so we just hope that we can kind of connect with one another heart to heart, hear what the Lord is doing uh, in their lives and through their ministry, and that you'll come away feeling encouraged. You'll come away feeling more connected to them and what they're doing and more connected to what the Lord's doing in Ukraine, especially at this time. So I have with me Max Fatisov. Hi. And his wife, Amanda. Hello. And then I also have Dan Peters. He's our production guy, and he's going to mostly just push the buttons for us, but he may also chime in. Yes. Hello, everybody. All right. Well, we just want to jump in. First of all, Max and Amanda, I want to give you a chance to just share a little bit about yourselves and your ministry for those of us who aren't familiar with you, uh, just so that people have a little bit of a context um, for what you do and where you come from. Sure, of course. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here. That's number one that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And because uh, at this time, we're not allowed to really leave the country, but I'll get into it later. And uh, our ministry has been uh, focused on serving the orphans of my nation, uh, orphans of all ages, as they do not have... Um, the age where they stop being orphans unless they are taken into the family. So that's really the focus and the heart of our ministry, and it has been uh, this whole time. It hasn't changed. It did adjust as so much has happened in our country. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, a short little introduction into our ministry. You can read more about what we do on our website, which is truehopeukraine.com. Awesome. So how long, I might be taxing your math skills right now, how long has True Hope been a ministry? 23 years. (laughs) Wow. So since 1999. That's right. Okay. And um, can you tell me a little bit about how it started? Yeah, well, short version is that I was 11 at that time, and I met an orphan at a church service. It was my only service that I had, you know, in months to actually be present during the service because I normally would uh, lead a Sunday school. And so that day I got to sit in to, you know, in church for the sermon and I was excited about it. And then there was this girl by me who constantly made noise in her bag and she was just digging through stuff and she was so annoying. I was trying to listen to the message, you know. And I'm at church, and uh, she's making this noise. So finally, I tried to stop her, and I got to talk to her, and I got to know her. And we ended up talking through the entire message because (laughs) we became good friends that instant. And later, it was that day that I found out that she was an orphan which, you know, was meant nothing to me. I heard about orphans being dangerous. I heard about them being, you know, someone you do not become friends with. 
Well, and, you know, I met one, and she was nothing like I was told they are. So, of course, I asked her if I could visit her in the orphanage, and she said, sure. And I went, and that was my first visit to an orphanage, which had, you know, was 300 kids there. And that was me discovering this whole other world that nobody ever talked about. Wow. So then I know, Amanda, you were a missionary in Ukraine, and you got connected with Max and with True Hope, and then you got really connected with Max. <laughs> yes. Um, so you have been married now for how long? For six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about kind of what the scope of True Hope was before these last couple, this last year with the war, um, as far as, you know, different different activities, ministry activities that True Hope was doing. So we minister to orphans in all different ways, and not just orphans, but also the vulnerable um, in our community, low-income families, homeless, um, people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, we went into different facilities all throughout our city and, and surrounding villages, um, bringing hope, life, doing lessons with the kids. And um, then we also ministered as well in our center, True Hope Center, that we recently remodeled and opened um, where we have, it's also, it's a transitional center where um, we have uh, aged out orphans come to live transitionally as they're making their way into adult life, mm-hmm. getting getting up on their feet, finding jobs, getting an education. And so um, in that way, we were serving uh, the community um, and we also have a church. Uh, Max and I pastor a church um, as well, and um, it was growing um, and doing well and and we were just happy to serve the community. We were actually looking at um, expanding, and we had been given opportunities to to start um, uh, a possible church or another center in, in another uh, village a couple of hours away. So we had lots of opportunities, lots of—we uh, mm-hmm. were quite busy already with things happening. Yeah. Um, and then when the war started, um, a lot of that changed. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about that at the time of— this uh, discussion, it's been a year almost or already since. Almost. Yeah, not quite a year. So tell me a little bit about that. What has changed as far as your ministry activities? I think obviously the mission is the same. Um, but what has changed about how you're serving? Well, um, in one way, uh, many of the orphans, uh, especially the younger orphans, were evacuated uh, to different countries for safety. And so the facilities we visited, the orphanages, boarding schools, um, the kids were no longer there. Um, And then a lot of our older orphans as well um, evacuated to different countries, especially the girls. They found jobs and are doing well. And so we had a whole new kind of group of people coming into the center. We had um, under different circumstances. And then um, as Russians invaded the South and the East, there was a, a, a huge uh, population of displaced who were coming in from those occupied areas mm-hmm. and with no place to go. And so we housed many of them um, temporarily. Some are still, you know, living there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it turned into, we turned into a distribution center. And so um, the needs, um, the fact that it's not just orphans and vulner- vulnerable, but Every Ukrainian citizen pretty much now has, um, it's more of a survival mode of, of living. Mm-hmm. And so that has increased the need um, that, we've, that we face and try to help every day. Yeah. So do you find um, 
you know, in the past, you would maybe walk alongside people for a period of time. You know, you're watching them grow up. You're you're trying to help them come into adulthood, maybe. Right. Um, are you finding this to be a little bit different type of ministry in that you're maybe not having those long-term relationships with some of them? And what is that like? Yeah, to a degree, it is like that. But still, we build relationships with even with the new people, and we try to stay connected even after they leave. We had, uh, for instance, we had so many pastors and chaplains come through the center that just needed a break and to sleep. We had one driver of a semi who delivered groceries to us, and he hasn't slept in his bed for over five months. He slept wow. in the in the semi. So uh, people like that, we get to hear their story. And once you know the story of a person, once you hear their heart, you will never forget them, and you're not going to just cross them off your list of people that you're going to, you know, not talk or see, you're actually going to do the opposite. You're going to want to talk to that person. So I I think our world definitely grew a lot faster in that way. And uh, we have a lot more people that we are connected to, even if it's just a text that we send them because they're now serving uh, or fighting in front lines. And um, so it doesn't matter where they're from or who they are. I feel like we're more connected. And we don't know where this relationship will take us. Some people that have stayed in our center for just a few nights and went, you know, beyond the country, they evacuated with their kids. Now they're the ones that are texting us from Netherlands and Germany and other countries in Europe and are saying, hey, we got a spot. If you need somebody to come and, you know, be evacuated, we can help them here. So I can't say that those relationships are short term. Wow. Yeah. So your I know that really your mission has been about stopping for the one. And it sounds like even with this kind of sort of different method of ministry, Mm -hmm. you're able to still kind of keep that mission in mind, yeah. even with hundreds of thousands of more people going through your doors. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a blessing and an honor for sure. Can you tell me a little bit about how the Lord has met the need? Obviously, if you have so many more people coming in with these needs, you know, you talked about really ministering to the vulnerable and now really most of the country is vulnerable, you know? So right. how has the Lord helped you be able to meet those needs? Um, you know, in what ways have you seen him show up in that? Um, well, a lot of it has come through uh, uh, help and through support that we receive from all over the world, really, not just in America, but um, we were, we have friends in, in Europe as well. And, and even just connections, there are people who um, we had no idea existed before, but they were mm-hmm. looking for someone to help. They, had um, they had food and they said we need to get this food. How do you know? Uh, and so we were able. They we were connected to them, and so um, we've made um, a, a partnership with Samaritan's Purse, and and they've been a great uh, support. And so in that way, we've become kind of a, like a redistribution center, and things kind of come mm-hmm. through us and through our connections. We have connections with other village pastors around the and ministers around the country, and we're able to get help to them as well. Um, And then we've just seen how God, you know, miraculously supplied. I remember when uh, I was in Poland when uh, I had, in the beginning of the war, evacuated with uh, 
many of our women and children. And we were in Poland and, um, you know, we're there with a place to stay for a few nights. Um, but there, uh, it was temporary living. And so, you know, we had, we had, uh, backpacks, we came with backpacks and, um, with maybe one change of clothes. Some of the moms didn't even bring clothes for themselves, just for the kids. And so, uh, to see how God miraculously supplied, not even through n- churches or believers necessarily. It was mm-hmm. just through um, through the everyday person. We were in the shelter. Someone would walk by and find out that Ukrainians were living there, and they would bring clothes or food that they had um, picked up at the store. And um, and even with living, um, you know, God miraculously uh, provided for that. It was we uh, were at a dead end and had done all that we could do and just bam, all of a sudden and a door opened and we were able to find uh, places to live for some of our moms and kids. And um, it's just that, uh, you know, daily bread, trusting the Lord for the daily bread. Right. We've talked a little bit about the ministry, uh, but you also mentioned that you pastor a church. So talk a little bit about shepherding uh it's different, you know, serving through a ministry, but there's there's something different about shepherding a church body together through something like this. Can you talk a little bit about that, what the mm-hmm. Lord is showing you, how your church is growing um, just even in their faith through this process, what some of the challenges have been? Right. Anything in that area? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I think God gave us a very different kind of authority in at this time during war to speak, to speak on behalf of the spiritual authority and have that spiritual authority. I feel like so many people in our church and outside our church were waiting to hear a voice that can tell them what to do mm. to be safe. Mm. What do I do to survive? What do I do to protect my family? Like, what's the right thing to do? Do I pick up the weapon if I have to, or do I not kill like the Bible teaches? So all of those questions were really not just a discussion question that you just sit at home and and, and enjoy this conversation about what's written in the Bible. It became right. real. This right. question became so real for so many, especially for men. They, do, they, don't, they didn't know, and they needed that guidance. And I feel like the Lord has given us the voice to be that for them. Mm-hmm. Not that we have all the answers, but we were the ones that were willing to stay and stay with them through the whole thing uh, to the end. And uh, we were willing to search Search God's heart in that, his kingdom. What does he want from us? And what does he uh, ask of us? And so it's been a lot. I mean, it's been not easy, to say the least, because <laughs> there is um, there's always disagreements, even in the body of Christ that is so holy and, you know, amazing. Uh, but people tend to disagree on everything. And so, of course, there's those that believe one thing and don't believe the other thing. And, of course, there was arguing and fighting. And through it all, God gave me a scripture that we all know. It's in Matthew 5. And uh, it talks about loving your neighbor, but also blessing the enemy and loving your enemy and blessing your enemy. Like it sounds like a good message or a good topic for a a discussion again, but to actually practically 
love and forgive and and bless your enemy, the one that destroyed your land, your country, your freedom, that took away your family. It's it's a whole another. It's a very sensitive topic. So when I uh, started preaching that message, we got quite a bit of um, um, what what's the word I'm looking for? Quite a bit of resistance mm-hmm. yeah. and persecution in a way. And most of persecution actually happened from um, believers, other believers who had a different revelation and different approach to it. They feel like it's the time to hate the enemy and do everything in your power to stop the enemy. And we all know the enemy isn't a human. The enemy isn't somebody who speaks Russian or Chinese or whatever language you may not like or the culture. But uh, with all that said, out of that, God had given me another revelation and a reminder of the fact that we are not... Because, you know, after a year of war in my nation... People started to get very patriotic about Ukraine. I'm going to speak only Ukrainian language. And if you dare to speak Russian to me, I'm not going to talk to you. We're not going to be friends. We're whatever. So there's been all these decisions that people have made to bind themselves and restrict and limit themselves and who they can be friends with and how they can love and forgive and bless. And all of that changed for them because of their choices they made, because of the hate that was already in their hearts. And so God reminded me of something we all know, that we are not citizens of just one nation, of this culture or another culture. We are citizens of heaven. It talks about it in the Bible in uh, Philippians 3.20. And we should all, uh, you know, be focused on that because really the culture of my country is not perfect. And as much of as uh, I am of a you know patriot of my nation, it's still not uh, the example. It's not the country that everybody should look up to because it's going through this disaster right, right now. We should always look. Uh, into the kingdom of God and look to God and his culture. Like, what does he have for us today? Mm-hmm. For all of us, it doesn't matter where we're from. So that's been a challenging journey. Over here in America, um, our sense of national identity and our patriotism is kind of fused with Christianity too, because we have a, a Christian heritage. I don't know much about Ukraine and the the religious makeup, but would you say there's... Um, a view that God is on our side of the war, or how does how does the the national <laughs> yeah. view fuse with how Christians view what's going on? This is where it gets really sensitive, right? For so many, because some say that God is totally for us, and we're we're just defending ourselves. We're not attacking and taking over somebody else's land and homes, and we're not killing you know, by choice, we're killing because we have to. But at the same time, murder is murder uh, and killing is killing. It's just that. I mean, if we look at the scripture and the Bible, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to get into the politics of it. You know, if you want to have a gun, have a gun, you know, but but as a, a citizen of heaven, that is not my my that is not my choice my choice no matter what if i have 10 days to live and i'll be killed then well great i'm going to meet my father i'm not really losing anything but um as far as the religious or christianity built to our nation here's a story that's interesting 
Um, so, you know, we are used to be Russian Orthodox, our culture. And now it became Ukrainian Orthodox after 2016, when the whole mess happened with, you know, an attempt to take over Ukraine. It didn't happen then. And, you know, just part of it was taking Crimea and Donetsk area. And so all of that was, you know, then became our own religion and our own Christianity. We were so proud of it. You know, Ukrainian Orthodox, which to people it meant they go to church once a year, with their Easter bread and they sprinkle it with water or pretend to be holy water and they believe that's it. Like, you know, that that's my religion. That's my Christianity. And here is what God, I believe God allowed for this to happen at this time during war. Um, unfortunately, Orthodox churches and priests are not all pro-Ukrainians. And some of mm. them would tell on the soldiers and the army that was placed, you know, in hidings and wherever they were guarding our property, our territory of Ukraine. And these priests basically gave their location. And few minutes later, that whole village was destroyed. And later it was found out that it, found out that it was done by the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox so I feel like when we build and create uh, idols and icons for ourselves, which our culture did, and every culture does in some yeah. way, and for us, it was the orthodoxy that became, you know, the only powerful voice of Christianity. And just like that, in an instant, after that, uh, you know, betrayal, people don't trust the orthodox church anymore. God turned the trust of people, not to a building, religion, but he turned it back to himself. And everybody knows that at war, when you're in a dead-end, hot-spot situation, you're going to turn to God, even if you don't know how to pray. You're going to figure out how to cry out to God who can save you. One of the reasons, you know, that what you talked about with just that revelation of the citizenship of heaven and why I think it's so important is because I believe that the church is coming into a place, the church as in worldwide, mm -hmm. is coming to a place where the lordship of Jesus is being reestablished. That's right. And recentered. Mm -hmm. And the the king and his kingdom is being recentered. Yeah. And I feel like even those of us that have kingdom language that talk about that we're building the kingdom need to come back to that center. I think that, that, that that's why it probably strikes a chord and why it feels like, well, we, we need to talk about that more because I think it's really something that the Lord's doing in the church overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, especially in the Western church. And so, I mean, I think just any, any, Thing that we can, you know, just delve into about what the Lord is showing you in that. And um, yeah, even just, I think both Dan and I would say these, that's an area that the Lord's also been speaking to us. And, um, you know, we would like it not to take war on our soil <laughs> to, right. to help us learn that. Of course. I think I've noticed, well, yeah, for me, that was definitely a revelation. We've talked about forgiving and loving your enemies and and um, received a lot of, you know, kind of, like he said, resistance from that. But it's just a misunderstanding of what, you know, the forgiveness is, I think, on, on that part. We're not talking about necessarily 
restoration, that's a different, that's a totally different um, level that, you know, the God gives us different instructions for in the Bible. Forgiving is, you know, letting go and letting God have uh, his way with that person and letting go of, you know, your right or what we think is our right to punish. Right. But um, within that, we saw just so much. And of course, with every trauma, hurt, there comes anger, hate. And um, and within this, and all of that anger and hate turns into exactly what you don't want to become, what you're fighting. Right, right. <laughs> and so within that, the Ukrainian people, you know, um, we've seen this nationalistic, um, you know, love for the language, love for the culture come up, which is not bad. It's a good thing. But mm-hmm. when your allegiance to that requires you to put that as a priority above what God asks us to do. If if I, it's causing me to hate my hate someone, right, which is exactly what is not the kingdom of God, and it's saying that I cannot forgive someone, which is not which goes against what the kingdom of God is, then um, then that's where the problem lies. And so. Um, that's what I've noticed, and so for me, and in the American church as well, and I'm sure all over the world, it's it's a you know an issue where our it's about our allegiance and our where what is our priorities, where do our priorities lie, and I've noticed you know in the being you know American living in Ukraine going through war, yeah, you know as Christians in in America we have this idea of our, you know, American nation. It's the God's nation. Mm-hmm. And we have this idea of being protected and this idea of flourishing and, um, and only, um, you know, good positive things. And it's because we're Christians and because we're protected. And yeah. the truth is in the kingdom of God, we will experience suffering and we will experience hardship. And, the you know the benefit that we have as his children is that he's there with us and through it all yeah and and there's that intimacy that we see his power we see his hand like I was talking about before um, but we as American Christians we don't want to go through that suffering right right <laughs> and don't think that we ever have to right yeah it's you know this privilege that we have. And so it's kind of hard to separate those two when they come into conflict with one another. Right. It's funny because as you're telling this story, I'm remembering uh, when you shared, uh, when you went to Poland and evacuated with other, you know, women and children. And uh, because of war in Ukraine, when you evacuated the beginning of March, I remember you got there and everybody's like filling out the papers for refugee status and you you got caught in that. And then you like stopped yourself and said, wait a second, I'm an American. I'm not a refugee. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we all need that check. You know, like I'm I'm a. I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't, this doesn't affect me. Yeah. The hate that the world is spreading. We should all have that, that sobering, wait a second, this yeah. is not yeah. mine to carry or jump into. Yeah. There's a, a poster that I follow on Instagram, um, Glenn Packiam. Uh, a year or two ago, he, he posted something about how, um, as an American Christian, I have more in common with a Christian in Iran or 
um, you know, any part of the world than my agnostic next door neighbor or atheist next door neighbor, whatever. And it just struck me because I know that that's true, but I don't feel it mm-hmm. just because of the way our culture tells us to think about who's the enemy, who's in, who's out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it makes sense too, you know, in First Peter, it talks about uh, the church being a holy nation. So anyone who is in Christ is God's nation. It's not this nation or that nation. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, um, just in light of that, do you have any relationships with Christians in Russia? Mm. Yes. I have quite a few pastors I'm friends with, and some are still connected in very difficult way to, to reach each other. But um, others have stopped talking to us and are done. I'm not. I even have relatives out there. So for me, it doesn't matter. I do have a story to tell you guys out of John 10. You all probably know it, but it kind of goes along with this mentality. This is what war in Ukraine did to a lot of the people in Ukraine, a lot of the pastors in Ukraine. It's a scripture about the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And it talks about a hired shepherd and the one that is true shepherd, mm. and of course, is Jesus. So the difference is that when a wolf comes and a hired shepherd sees the wolf, he ditches the sheep. Yeah. And when it is, you know, when we know our shepherd, true shepherd, one and only shepherd, who's going to, it says, lay his life down for his sheep. So I think that's the difference that, we, I mean, we witnessed, actually witnessed it. And I'm not talking about pastors being, you know, whatever, irresponsible and hired and they loved their church, they loved their people. And they talked about, I'm going to stay with you guys until the end. But then when war came, they disappeared. Yeah. They didn't even notify their churches. A lot of these churches were left without pastors and still are. It's been, you know, almost a year and these church- pastors did not return. They pick up, picked up their family and disappeared. And mm. so that I feel like you can be angry about it which many people got angry about it started hating their own their own pastors and their families and i mean mm-hmm. you name it it got really weird and awkward in church but at the same time through all that i feel like god has filtered even more his church he cleans mm. up pretty well yeah <laughs> the sifting that's yeah. gone yeah. yeah it needed to happen yeah i think that speaks again to the church at large, um, coming away from these theoretical ideals Mm -hmm. of Christianity and having to actually walk it out. And, um, you know, I think to some degree, you know, like what you were talking about, Amanda, with the kind of chosen people mentality Mm -hmm. um, that we can have, we've kind of shaped the ideals of Christianity around our own culture around our own ideals and our own, you know, and it's starting to come apart, Mm -hmm. you know, even, even with the challenges that have been faced here. And so even to a larger degree, I'm sure part of that's Mm -hmm. happened in Ukraine as well, you know, that sifting Mm -hmm. and that, that kind of really helping us see 
what we actually are trusting in mm-hmm. and what we actually do believe. There's We can say we believe this, but what do we actually believe? And um, And even, I mean, I think there's a lot of things people have really, truly believed in and realized that is not even a biblical mm-hmm. belief. Right. That's extra biblical. Yeah. And we just kind of slapped biblical on it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I feel like, reestablishing the culture of heaven, reestablishing the culture of the kingdom, not dressing up our own culture with the culture of the kingdom that seems to benefit mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, but, but really being willing to leave that behind and step into the fullness of the culture of the kingdom. When you talk about those that say, you know, out of patriotism, I'm not going to speak Russian, I'm only going to speak Ukrainian, Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe it would be helpful for clarity for people to understand that a little bit, you know, just the reality that, I mean, from what I understand, because Ukraine had been occupied by Russia there was generations of Russian speakers and, um, but Ukraine uh, has its own language. Right. Um, and I think that's a piece of clarity that maybe is, I've, I've always kind of wondered about that, you know, how that, like, do you all speak Russian still now? We do. Well, a lot of us did before the war for sure. Now people have switched in order to, promote patriotism. And one of our writers, I think, uh, made a statement, a public statement saying that if the country loses its language, it loses its culture, it loses everything, basically. Mm -hmm. So, of course, people picked that up and they were like, okay, we're going to all speak Ukrainian now even more, even at home. And um, but certain areas like our uh, state, Dnipro state, we spoke mainly Russian and still do. Mm -hmm. Some people, like I said, have switched pretty quick. But, you know, you also have to remember that um, 70% of pastors of Protestant churches in Russia were from Ukraine. Mm. So leading pastors in Russia of Protestant churches are from Ukraine. So there's a lot of people that still are very connected and related and you know because russia had a whole um restriction on uh churches way back when and so the ukrainians were the ones that went and as not knowing at miss as missionaries not knowing all those restrictions started churches and grew and and so forth you know Mm. and so um and again we have to remember that we are very have been and still are very connected with the russian country you know with russia because we have relatives or or somebody is still there or maybe somebody just moved out of there or is now living in ukraine or we lived there for a period of time so uh, there has never been this whole you know, border division, uh, I mean, not much other than a little bit of a difference of culture and definitely a different language. Uh, Like if we speak to them Ukrainian, they won't understand. They would need a translator. Mm -hmm. We can do both because we used to be part of the Soviet Union. So, Mm. yeah. What do you know about the impact of the, the war on Russian churches, Russian believers? Yeah. You know, I can't imagine that that's an easy 
road for it's them. very difficult it's for them it is for sure a uh, uh, persecution of their kind because pastors are being forced by congregation and people from Ukraine to protest to do something about it and government of Russia isn't letting them yeah. and if they you know dare to speak anything they'll be removed pretty quick so there's you know pressure and fire from both sides and some of them had to quit or shut down services and have it either online only or meet, you know unite with another bigger church to to have meetings there mm. So a lot of them have been affected in that way. Or many Christians have even left Russia. I've and left. We know a, we have a missionary friend. She's Canadian, but her husband is mm-hmm. Russian, and they have adopted older children who are Russian, and they left because they 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 knew it was wrong, and they didn't want to have the pressure of yeah of what was happening, and so they they ended up leaving. And because they're Russians. Um, because her husband and the children are Russians, they're kind of limited, very limited as to where they can go. They can't mm-hmm. get visas to everywhere. So they're having their own form of hardship well, yeah. um, in that way. Have a lot of people left Russia? Yeah. In the midst of this? Oh, yeah. Uh, or I'm I'm sure yeah, they're not it? as able to. But. It's probably, they, no, a lot of people have left and it's, well, I'm sure we'll never know the real numbers of how many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not if Russia reports it. <laughs> right, right. But yes, even lots of famous um, actors and singers from Russia, they have left and made it a public statement that we're not staying in this country under these rulings. Mm. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about your president for a minute? Just, of course. Because that was the one thing when I asked Brian, what, or more. what would you want to, <laughs> what would you want to ask if you, he said, I'd like to know what, what they think of, of that and how he's leading. And um, yeah. I absolutely love our president. I, I think he's um, been appointed by God for this position and for this time. Mm-hmm. So everything he's doing, um, he's doing well. He's fully committed to his country, his people. And honestly, I believe he's a godly man. He's, uh, he believes in God in his own way. And uh, he hears the church uh, in the beginning of war. Uh, well, somewhere, I don't know, a few months into it, um, people started cursing this one ship that sunk. Yeah. And uh, they were using all kinds of cuss words and it was everywhere you guys it was on our billboards it was on our apps in our banks everything it was just this you know little line going through with the swearing and cussing and then it became kind of normal to say those things in front of kids and and on television and it just started to snowball and get bigger and i mean if we get into it words have power yeah and have authority and if you're starting to curse guess what's going to come back to you yeah those same curses. So I actually wrote a letter to the president, you know, to presidency and to their office saying, uh, explaining a little bit more about what those words do and what it does. And please remove this from our nation. We cannot call curse onto ourselves. If we're going to be different, we should actually be different. We cannot take this on. Uh, so uh, another, I don't know, a few weeks went by uh, and a well-known pastor in our 
country, who's a blogger as well. He has you know lots of subscribers and followers. He made that same exact statement. It's like he read my letter. He um, was encouraging everybody to stop uh, cursing, to yeah. stop mm-hmm. inviting the curse into our nation and into our lives. Because if we begin this journey of hate, again, it only brings that which we don't want, more sin in our yeah. lives and more destruction in our families and more hate will, you know, birth more hate. I, I always talk about this now, that a bullet or a weapon destroys your today and hate destroys your future, yeah. the future of your kids and grandkids. Yeah. And we don't want that. I remember one time I was in a little church uh, in a village I was invited to speak at. This was years ago. And uh, uh, when I got there, uh, a pastor rushes to me to say, hey, Max, uh, we got some guests. It's kind of a surprise and uh, to me as well. Uh, would you mind if some of your time will give to them? The missionaries from Germany came. There's 20 of them. They're like young adults and teenagers. And I said, well, absolutely. They can talk. That's great. And so as the German teenagers and young adults come up the stage um, and start to speak, the translator begins to translate and half and more than half of congregation starts getting up. This weird noise is happening in the sanctuary. What's happening? Nobody's understanding. The pastor comes up to me. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. And uh, all the old people have left the service without even listening to what they had to say Mm. because a lot of those people have survived and lived through war they lost someone to germans they've been slaves to germans and even the language was something they hated they could not stand to hear it and Mm. it brought back memories of that same pain that they felt back in the day of war and so um that same day pastor And I and the team of Germans, of course, got together. We prayed, and he said, what do I do? I said, well, um, I don't know, but let's trust the Lord, you know. So we prayed, trusted the Lord, and they had a scheduled evening service as well. So all these old people came back again for an evening service, hoping that, you know, there's going to be no Germans again. (laughs) And um, uh, I actually got to talk to quite a few of the older people because they come early, so I had a chance to visit and find out what actually happened, why did they get up and leave earlier. And so they told me this story that they're veterans, they've been through enough, and German to them is just uh, a no-no. And so here goes the second service, and the pastor uh, asks me if it's okay if he invites these Germans back up. I'm like, well... Let's trust the Lord even with that. Yeah, good you know? for him. Yeah, yeah. And so we're we're now uh, asking the Germans to come up, but not to to up to the stage. They come to the stage, and guess what? They uh, have been praying this whole time. This is a team of missionaries who have also never been to another culture like ours. They prayed, and God told them to repent. So they come mm-hmm. to to the stage, they kneel before the whole congregation, and they the first words they're saying is, I'm sorry, forgive mm-hmm. us for what our fathers have done. This has been the most miraculous healing and restoration and reconciliation uh, that took place that I actually witnessed. All these grandmas and grandpas were getting up, but this time they were running towards these Germans and kissing them and hugging them and, and crying. And it was just the most 
amazing thing to witness how healing took place of hearts where mm. hate um, had no more power. It's mm. amazing. That was his answer to the question about what do you feel about the president? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> the, I mean, he's... <laughs> he's a man, right? And he's he's not perfect like any other president. Um, everyone has their own, you know. There's an agenda. Yeah, yeah. There's people behind him that he's that he also has to deal with who are, are not perfect. Yeah. And so um, I think you know we definitely at the ch- as the church in Ukraine, like our church, we don't paint him to be the savior, the savior mm-hmm. or yeah. the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God puts our leaders in place, you know, in place yeah. for a time. And we're thankful that we have someone who didn't leave because every other president that had ever been over Ukraine would have left, yeah. would have ran quickly. Mm-hmm. And he, um, you know, for the most part, as much as we know, has the best interest of the country in mind. And the Ukraine's never had a president like that before. Mm. So, And there's a lot of stuff people find and dislike uh, of decisions he makes of course there's a lot of criticism there's a lot of judgment there's a lot going on uh with that but we again i feel like we stick to what's written in the scripture which is to pray for the government and bless them that's what we do that's really our place and the rest of it is it's going to be so different once you you know get it out there from the pulpit and start talking to people there's going to be different opinions anyway why bother there's one opinion that really matters it's god's right <laughs> right and like you said you know whether we like them don't like them it doesn't the matter. bible's clear mm-hmm. about praying for our leaders are you finding that there is uh, a hunger in people for God in in the midst mm-hmm. of this crisis? Are you seeing, even with the lack of trust, you know, like you just talked about trust being kind of destroyed with the, the yeah. national church, for lack of a better word, um, are you seeing that hunger? Are you seeing people turn to the Lord in the midst of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, our our church has grown uh, definitely because of it, because, um, you know, more than any, like Max said, when you're in that, when you're in a survival mode and you don't know if tomorrow is going to be your last day um, or if you're going to lose your loved ones, then you, you're looking for something outside of yourself. And so it just brings every all your priorities back into order. And um and, and so that's what we're seeing and experiencing is even though there's that anger and hatred and towards, you know, Russian, and there's the question of why, why is God allowing this to happen? There's still that desire for peace, that desire to look for something that's bigger than yourself. Um, um, and, and so uh, we've seen that all over. And, you know, we have um, ministers in our church who mm-hmm. are, who go to the, um, who, who minister to the uh, soldiers and go to the front lines. And mm-hmm. we, our church created um, this small, it's called a prayer book. And for those who, who don't know how to pray, and it's mm. just filled with different prayers and different subjects so that we can deliver those to the soldiers or whoever. Um, um, so they can, you know, just have a, a form, a way to be able to, to, to connect with God and mm. if they never have before. Um, and that's been a great resource. And a lot of the, especially soldiers have asked mm-hmm. for those, um, uh, so yeah, 
or refugees who have never gone to church before, have never really prayed uh, their own prayer. Now there's, you know, in this little pocket prayer book, there's a prayer of, of a mother praying for her kids or prayer of a wife praying for her husband who's been taken or is captured or whatever. So we made these prayers very personable. But also one of the things that we've noticed is uh, – how the church, you know, we are friends with a lot of churches and we have a pastor's group, you know, we pray and meet and all that. And so I've noticed personally that the politics between the churches disappeared. Mm. Wow. When war came into our nation, it was like it didn't matter whether you were Baptist or charismatic or Pentecostal or it just didn't matter where you were mm. and how you worshiped. Everybody was so connected, so close. All of this political garbage was like a background noise and a memory all of a sudden. It was, it, it, you know, we understood that what matters is this to help each other. What matters is to not be distracted by all these unnecessary political board meetings, elders meetings, <laughs> decisions <laughs> to be, can I share the pulpit? Forget it. None of that mattered. Yeah. It was like, you know what? I'm going in, I'm asking for help. And if, if they say no, so be it. But nobody would say no. Everybody did what they could in their own strength. And, and yeah, as we did. Wow. Yeah, so just really seeing the Lord move even in the midst of mm -hmm. the storm, in the midst of the crisis, um, I think that unity is such a beautiful a beautiful thing and beautiful evidence that the Lord is moving in it. Can you tell me how the morale is just of, of the church, of a lot of the ministers? I know you have, um, you know, you've had a large team. I'm guessing some of your team is actually evacuated. Mm -hmm or um, been assigned in other ways. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? How is how how are people doing in general in your church and in the ministry team? Uh, actually, our team has grown. <laughs> um, wow. Some of the who evacuated, most who evacuated of our church uh, members have returned since then, and wow. um, and and even more have joined. Um, joined in, and um, I think you know it's it's up and down. The, our morale, for the most part, you know, like Max said, the unity um, gives us strength in that that way. That mm -hmm. the church is unified, and that um, we're unified in seeking mm -hmm. the Lord and um, and wanting His will on uh, in Ukraine. Um, but there are the times when um, where things get real, and um, yeah. When you wake up and you hear the explosions and or when your electricity is being shut off every day, four hours at a time, you know, three times a day, um, when you're, um, it's hard to find work and you're not sure how to feed your family. So there are things that get very real. And, um, and so there are times where we have to come back to that place of trust and surrender and encouragement and and walking and going back into to living in peace. And so it goes up and down, but thankfully that's what the church is there for, to yeah. encourage one another. We all have our, our moments, and uh, sometimes one is weak and the other is strong, and we just come together and um, and, and walk together through through all of that. Yeah, I think really that's the key to uh, for all of us at this season to 
be together because together we are strong. You know, we we heard these kind of quotes a lot and we all know what they mean, but we actually get to live it because everybody's in a place of need of something. I need a house, I need a job, I need food, I need comfort, I'm stressed, I need help with my depression, I need something. And people aren't afraid to say that, to verbalize that. And because they're not afraid to actually be transparent and vulnerable about it, I feel like that unites us. You know, we all remember the scripture and I feel like that's kind of our morale, uh, unspoken, unwritten, but in our hearts, Romans uh, chapter 12, it says that that we, um, we rejoice with those that rejoice and we cry with those that cry. Yeah. So if we take that seriously and actually do it, it we do it. You know, you laugh with those that celebrate uh, life and then you cry with those that mourn someone. Yeah. And it's a journey of relationship again, and uh, it becomes very significant. And it it connects us, it unites our hearts, and it's all around, you know, faith in God, because there is nobody else that you can really put your faith in. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. So do you find, I mean, I would imagine with all that's going on, there is a lot of mourning there is a lot of, um, you know, beyond even just loss of life, just even the grieving of dreams and what people thought their life would be or what, you know, what they were building in their family mm-hmm. or, you know, any of those things. How do you keep from kind of getting jaded to to those, you know, just that, kind of emotional weariness that can come. How do you keep that compassion um, flowing where just a lot of compassion is required? It's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish I could tell you where it came from (laughs) other than... The Lord. The Lord. Yeah. Because there are definitely times where you just feel, you just tell the Lord, I'm done. I have... I'm done feeling it. I'm done hurting. I'm done yeah. giving. Um, and then you wake up and his mercies are new every morning and <laughs> yeah. you start another day. And I think one of the things that's been key for us, um, you know, obviously there are a lot of other uh, cities who experienced a lot of um, uh, destruction and, and trauma in Ukraine. Um, and thankfully, you know, as of today, you know, our city has been a city of refuge. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we've called it from the beginning. And, um, got, you know, we've there have been um, explosions. There have been deaths. Um, but, um, you know, many people have come to our city from all over the country. And God has protected us in a lot of ways. So with that, because one of the things that's helped us, because our city has, uh, you know, we've been able to maintain some sort of stability, whereas others are haven't. One of the things that's helped us is that we just keep on living. And, you know, we've decided that we're not going to keep, we're not going to stop living. We're not going to stop daily Mm -hmm. activities. We're not going to stop church events. And we're not going to stop celebrating the life that we do have right now. And so there are times that we mourn, but there are also times that we celebrate. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate um, family. We had a, we recently, or not recently, in the fall had a, 
a, a family day. We invited the neighborhood to a carnival outside the church and just had a, a day of celebration <laughs> for families. Wow. We did. And just to have that, that little bit of normalcy and something to look forward to tomorrow or the next week mm-hmm. has kept us all um kept us all going and and um that you know realize realization that one day this all will end and we can't get stuck in this uh we can't stuck in this uh momentum of war we have to you know there's real life that we mm-hmm. we have to live so it sounds like you guys aren't even thinking about how does this war play out how does it end what needs to happen you're just really focused on what god's called you to do in the moment yeah. Because from our perspective, like, I just can't make sense of it all. It just seems to go on and on. And, you know, you hear people talking about what needs to happen, who mm-hmm. needs to do what. But um, I'm just really encouraged to hear how focused you are on what God's given in front of you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it's uh, it really has been since the very first day of war that God has made it very clear to us that we had to be focused on Him his kingdom, his culture, his heart. Otherwise, because like the first, I don't know, probably first two weeks into war, I was reading news because they were coming up, you know, this happened, this exploded, this blew up, this many people died, whatever. So you're, you're getting all these, you know, updates. And I was reading every single one. And then I caught myself to be sucked into this, this, news uh, atmosphere, news feeling, news hate, whatever their agenda was to put it out there, I was sucked into it. And I realized that's not, um, it's not my place. I don't even, like, I don't read news on daily basis. I know enough to to know what I need to know, but there was, that was too much. And it's easy to get sucked into it because the news are, you know, all over, it's all over. And so it was an intention, it took an intentional act to focus on what truly matters, to focus Mm. on the Lord. So to tell you a funny story during that moment in March, after we, you know, have been evacuating so many people, thousands and thousands, and uh, the end of March, I get a call from a company that we had ordered uh, I don't know what you call it here in America, like grass, you know, that you unroll in Sod. the... Sod. Yeah. Sod. And so we ordered that, like, you know, obviously a year prior to that. And they were growing it out for us. So they grew it out and they called me to say, hey, it's ready. Do you still want it? And I'm like, it's beginning of April and, <laughs> and war is in my nation. And you're asking me if I want this green sod grass. <laughs> yes, I wanted. So that was that was one of my turning points that I actually kind of took a step back. And I realized, you know what? We can be the leading people um, for for at least our area and our congregation and those that we can influence to live. We can encourage them to continue living, to continue planning, to continue striving and hoping. Otherwise, if you have no hope, you might as well, you know, just buy a coffin and lay in it. It doesn't make any sense, but this is how I put it. We have been equipped by God for this time. We have been equipped by God for this time. And, uh, he has equipped us. I believe I always put it like this. If you're in a hot spot, and you have never done it before, well, guess what? This is the time when God is going to show up and do it through you. Just let him. 
And that's what we've been for this whole year because we have no idea what we're doing sometimes. It's like every day, <laughs> oh my gosh, what's happening? And then God shows up, you know, like with this grass for crying out loud. I'm unrolling, <laughs> literally unrolling and cutting slices of this grass in our in our in our little park area by the church and I'm thinking what is this like I hope nobody sees this but you know people saw it took pictures and posted it and because of that other families came to our church and said because of this we now have hope to live. We want to live. We want to buy furniture and we want to move into our apartment we bought. And things like that motivated people to hope, if anything. So, well, yeah. Well, I am just um, struck with the goodness of God. Just even as Amanda was sharing how his his mercies are new every morning and how you're sharing about how the Lord brings hope through grass and, <laughs> you know, and all of those aspects. I don't know if you can, can f- those of you who are listening, if you can feel that, but just the infusion of like the goodness of God on display mm-hmm. in, in the midst of um, war and even just this realization that there was life before and there will be life after. And and for those of us who are believers, there's life even after that. Right. And, you know, that That's there's right. there is a, a spectrum of eternity that we're operating within. And um, just for your awareness of that and for your bringing that to your nation and uh, providing that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, you know, what other ways have you seen the goodness of God show up in in the midst of this, recognizing that there are those times of mourning. Where are you seeing the goodness of God um, show up in a in a really not good season? <laughs> yeah, every day is um, it's a it's a lot of bad information and bad news that we get, and I don't talk about just a. Uh, you know, nationwide news. I'm talking about privately, you get a text, you get a call, and we get so many, we get, you know, six phones, and they're all constantly ringing, and, you know, things are coming in. And so we do get to hear a lot of traumatic stories and broken lives and hearts. But through that, we get to also witness how God gently and kindly heals or restores or yeah. brings them into the family. So many have lost so much of uh, possessions and uh, things they owned and invested into. But at the same time, some of them have gained the most precious thing of all, relationship with the Lord. Yeah, And you can't really put a price on that. It's already been paid for. So... Um, so we're witnessing salvation, a lot of that. I mean, that is the greatest miracle you could possibly ask for. Yeah. But besides that, we had one lady. Her name is Vera. I'll talk about her. She is um, she's on our team. She's a worker now. She's part of the church now. But she came as a refugee. Uh, she came to our city from another occupied region, and she was under the 
you know, um, Russian army hiding in her, what do you call those? Root cellar. Root cellars. Uh, she was hiding in that for a couple of weeks and eating her canned food she had stored in there. And, of course, she hasn't seen daylight. She hasn't eaten proper foods. It was too much vinegar, so she ruined her stomach. She had ulcers when she got out of there and came to us. And somebody told her, a neighbor came in and told her, hey, Vera, there's a bus coming through. You can get out. And so she got on and get out, you know, got out. And she came to our city not knowing anybody. She just came to us and she said, can I have a place to live? She was afraid of every noise there was, mm -hmm. the door shutting, the window slamming, anything. She mm -hmm. was just afraid, crying all the time, crying for her kids, her sister who was in another village that was also occupied. And she had no contact with them because the cellular didn't work out there. So it was this fear. It was this brokenness. And we just stood and prayed on every, like literally we, we walked. She's telling the story. We stopped. We prayed. Then she's continuing to tell the story. We stop. We pray. And she experienced this, this, this touch of God instantly right there in the first service. It wasn't even during the service. It was after the service when we were just chit-chatting in the hall. And then, of course, we uh, talked to the leaders and asked around who wanted to take her in because she could stay at the center, but I felt like it would be better if she had stayed with somebody who can also continue to minister to her. So one of the leaders, Luba, she volunteered her home and she said, you can stay with us. My husband and I will be happy to have you. So they took her in. Long story short, she's now... Uh, part of the church. She's on staff. She's ministering. She's serving. She calls this her family. Mm. And now her sister that was in the occupied village is also with us at the church and has uh, was able to got, uh, get out. So this is a miracle to her. We even went to her village now that has been deoccupied. It's still, you know, not hooked up to electricity or water and whatever. So we went to fix her broken house because of an explosion. Part of the roof flew off. And so we went to help her restore some of that. She still can't go back. But um, there's hope for her and there's hope for all of us, <laughs> even when we are in our darkest. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Any other testimonies that you want to share? I think uh, just in general, like something that God's shown me in this time is how much I really underestimate his ability to reach people. And I feel like somehow it's something, it's my job to convince or um, uh, just to convince them of his goodness or um, somehow do something so their heart's healed or comfort and mm -hmm. And my, what I'm able to do is very limited, um, but he's not limited. Mm -hmm. And we have seen him reach people that we, um, you know, we, it was just, you know, well, if God doesn't do something, then we don't know what's going to happen with this person. And, and we've seen him reach them in, the, mm -hmm. in his own way, in his own time. And it's not how we expected it to be. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so God's just shown me, you know, that's just been my, my revelation of just, Allowing him to do the work and trusting him to do it, um, to do my part and, and, and letting him, you know, do the rest, do the rest and trusting him with all these people that he brings to us because the burden sometimes does get so heavy. Yeah. Um, but we've seen him work a thousand times over. And so I don't know why we would doubt that he would do it again, <laughs> <Yeah>. but. 
One of the things, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about just kind of the broader sense of what you see the Lord doing, and you've touched on it a little bit, like one of the things I'm learning. What would you say you personally have um, learned in this time or um, as far as just even in your own relationship with the Lord or about his character towards you or... um, you know, even just I'm thinking about how do you ever just rest in the Lord in the midst of, you know, such a demanding schedule and all of that. But what what have you learned in this time um, that you think would be valuable for other people? Well, for me, I think it's just the reality of of things that I've theoretically learned mm. about God in my relationship with him um, have now become a reality where I, I need to cling to these things. I need him to be faithful. I need him to be good. I need um, to have his rest. And like, I can't, I can't say that I've, I've found his rest, but it's a daily, it really is a daily dependence on him. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful Mm -hmm. for that manna that comes every single day. um, And that keeps me connected to him in this. Um, And, and what we don't realize is just, you know, war creates a heightened sense of, uh, of things that we experience really every day. Like we don't know in our real lives, we don't really realize how little control we have over our lives. Right. And we think we do. There's this illusion. And war just brings that, in, that, that to a reality where you realize I have no control over what's going to happen. And, um, and so it keeps us you know, dependent on him every day. And for me, I've just been, you know, thankful for that lesson in all of this. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a walk of faith for me. We talk about it again, we read it and then yeah, you actually get to walk it out. It's one thing to, uh, talk about faith, it's another thing to act on it. Right. right. <laughs> and uh, when everybody's watching you as well, being a pastor of a church and uh, being leaders at the church, people do watch. And more than that, uh, God had, you know, uh, uh, spoken to me about recording videos during the war, in the beginning of the war, really, to, to update people on what's happening worldwide. I was just... I'm sharing the heart that whatever we were feeling, whatever we were going through, and this is what God is doing for us and through us. And uh, so it's trusting the Lord daily and it's relying on him, not your abilities. Even as Christians, we tend to turn to faith uh, more than to obedience. And this is something that his love language, I believe, is our obedience. Mm. So sometimes we're, it's like, I don't feel like going to a mission trip, and I don't feel like, sir, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter wh- whether you're ready or not. It doesn't even matter whether you have finances for it or not. If you trust him, he'll make it happen. He'll make a way. He'll provide. After all, he is the provider. He'll uh, he'll equip you for what you need to do. So that's the whole trust piece. I feel like we have started, as Christians all around the world, have started to rely on what we can do, what our wallet has enough for, and what our abilities 
are and, and the amount of chairs we have in the church and how many we can, you know, fit and the capacity of the church. It doesn't matter. Again, what does matter is trusting the Lord. And so I feel like that's been a huge piece mm. for us to not really rely on anything we've known or had <laughs> because it wouldn't be enough anyway. <laughs> and uh, it's been definitely a journey of faith journey of obedience every day instead of just believing you obey i don't feel it i don't necessarily understand it but i'm going to do it lord if you say to do it i'm going to do it and there's no time to analyze it to overthink it to to talk to somebody and get the proper advice and wisdom on it you yeah. just do it because mm. god spoke to you he spoke to me many times at night awoken me you know uh, to speak to me and i took notes and i made sure that i connect, communicated that to people that very next day yeah, because that was there was a reason he spoke to me about those things. There was a reason he did what he did. And so, again, I feel like we cannot um, live by faith. We also have to live in obedience to God. Yeah, that, that's so encouraging. When you talk about the difference between belief and obedience, particularly through the lens of what you were talking about earlier, about heavenly citizenship, and enemy love. Um, I think about those things a lot, but I also realize I'm in a position where it can mainly just be theoretical and I can mm-hmm. just think about it and say, yes, this is what I believe. This is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm so encouraged that the Holy Spirit has empowered you guys to actually walk that out. So it's not just mm-hmm. a theological position you take. Um, and I hope our listeners can just hear that, the the teachings that Jesus has given in his word, the Holy Spirit backs that up with power to actually walk that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's so much to take away from from this. And, and I think we need to recognize, too, as the body of Christ that isn't in the middle of war in our daily lives, that we're united with this body that is walking through that. And so... We, I know that people are going to glean from what you're walking through. They're going to glean that sense of hope. They're going to, to glean even to, I think that's kind of what was happening in the middle of this conversation for me was just the reality when you talked about these theoretical things. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, you were the first one that brought that up, um, that I need this to be true, that you are faithful, that I can have peace, that I can have rest, like it's not just a nice concept, but this has to be true. It's like life or death for me right now. Right, it's right. And um, and I think there's just something so precious about that. And um, there's a cost sometimes for that reality and that revelation um, that you're walking through. Um, but but I think you know that can encourage us as well uh, because because we it needs to go beyond the theoretical. Um, it needs to go beyond just what we believe into what we're actually willing to obey in and mm-hmm. walk in with Jesus. And we have to also remember that each one of us is at war. It doesn't matter whether your country is at war. We all are. Our, our battle isn't 
with the flesh and bones. Our mm-hmm. battle isn't with the flag and the language. Our, our, we have a battle. Each one has a battle. Even if you're thinking, well, I'm not in that situation. It doesn't really apply to me. It does because mm-hmm. you're battling your health issues, maybe. You're battling in your relationships that are falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, there's Everybody has something they are battling with. And in all of this battle, I want victory with the Lord. And that's the only way to get it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point as it relates to recognizing that war is really just the effects of sin on the earth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like all of those other battles that that's you right. talked about. And that... Jesus, what he did was enough for that, both both for the forgiveness of what is walked out in that, but also for the healing of those who are um, affected by it. Mm-hmm. So just like you were talking about, Amanda, how he is so much more able than we maybe think, you know, he is to really bring healing to people who have walked through really horrendous, traumatic loss and that not only was what Jesus did on the cross enough for the sin that was done against them, but it's enough for the healing that they need and the wholeness that they need, that, that brokenness that came because of the sin. It's, it's a powerful thing that you get to see that worked out right. on, on the day-to-day. Um, and it's a good encouragement for us. Wow, uh, this is this has just been a really powerful conversation for me. I know for others, uh, I know that it will be encouraging. It'll be informative, but more than anything, it'll be encouraging. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like you know, even that sense of hope that you were able to release uh, is is going to really meet people where they're at. Would you be willing, just as we close, just to pray? Can we pray together and pray for those who are listening? Mm-hmm. Of course. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can hear your heart and we can reflect your heart here on earth in our own little lives and through our little lives, in our circumstances, in our families, at our jobs, in school, wherever we may be. We thank you that we get this privilege, this honor to not only be called your children, but to actually be your children, to have the authority that you have trusted each one of us and to walk it out, to live it out. Father, we thank you for how you have given to all of us your perfect peace. And we pray that you guard that peace, that we don't lose the peace, that circumstances of our lives do do not distract us from protecting the peace that you have trusted us with. Father, we thank you that we can also share this peace, that we are no longer slaves to sin, that we are no longer slaves to one nation or another, but we are free. In your kingdom, we are free. And we thank you for the cross that has become a symbol that reminds us all that there has been a price that's been paid for us. Mm -hmm. So each one has direct access to you. So today, I pray for each one that is listening, that will be listening, um, that, that you save their hearts as we all need salvation, that you reach them wherever they are at. And if you're listening uh, right now, I pray for you, personally for you, 
And I say, you are free from slavery. You are free from, from bondage. You are free from addictions. You are free from yeah. depression. You are free from suicide uh, thoughts. You are free because of his paid price. And we thank you, Lord, for how much you love us today. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Max and Amanda, for being with us. And can you remind people one more time um, where they can give to True Hope or also see information about what is going on at True Hope? Yeah, we have a we have a Facebook True Hope Ukraine, we have Instagram True, True Hope UA, and we have website TrueHopeUkraine.com, and you can give through that. I'll put all the links in the description. Thank you. So. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time.